next stop, the Super Bowl. Hell yeah, you know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that say they gon' beat them Saints? They a lie. They can try, but in the don't we know they ain't. Let's go. We on the road. The next stop, the Super Bowl. Who that? And welcome back to Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as usual, Brendan Ertle. I'm alongside my great co-host, Nate Williamson. Nate, what's up? What's going on? We are coming out um, from a Saints win. The Saints beat the Carolina Panthers 27-24. to And a little bit of a nail-biter that really shouldn't have been. But today, of course, we're going to be talking about that game and all beautiful things of, of our beautiful sport in football. Um, but before we uh, get into that, of course, we always start in the division. And the division is looking pretty tough as it stands right now. But the Bucks looking better and better each and every single week. They sit at five and two. Uh, they had a they had a pretty close game against Las Vegas for the majority of that contest, and then they pulled away, just destroying the Raiders in that one. So they are first in the division at five and two, and that scenario kind of sucks because they don't have a bye week till week thirteen. So if we don't beat them in the next, let's see, two weeks, we're gonna be chasing them all year long mm-hmm. uh, because they will always have a game up on us. Uh, just just based off of the bye week, so they sit at five and two, and we're of course second in the division at four and two after beating Carolina, and Carolina falls to three and four, they're third in the division, and the beautiful, beautiful Atlanta Falcons sit at one and six, and currently hold the second overall pick in the draft, and that's the one problem with Atlanta having that bad of a record is they get the number two overall pick right now. Mm-hmm. You almost like to see them. Uh, more be like a middling team, like like at an eight and eight or something like that, where they're not doing well, they're not causing us any problems, but they're picking at like sixteen, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in there where it's not not a huge threat. And honestly, that's kind of what's been their problem for so many years is that inability, you know, to make those middle round picks all come together and uh, produce a Super Bowl. You know, of course, uh, the great. Uh, humiliation when they did make the Super Bowl is not easy on them either but yeah Mm -hmm. seeing them that high on the totem pole for somebody who like loves the draft and and prides himself on you know paying attention to things like that is not not pleasing anytime you can fill them in with their next quarterback you know uh, to sit behind Matt Ryan for a while or you know their next great linebacker it's just a it's not great. You don't want to see the guy that's going to be out there rocking Alvin Kamara eventually, but mm-hmm. you, you know, that that's the nature of the game. It's a constantly evolving thing, but uh, all you can do is hope that they swing and miss. Yeah. It's weird. Um, we're not even halfway through the season. We're one week away from halfway from the season and they're pretty much done. Like there, you can count them out from the playoffs. You can count them out from the division. Mm-hmm. And I thought we'd be, or they'd be up there with us when we were playing them late um, later in this year. And they're just done. I mean, they've shown it that um, they had a pretty good game against the Lions for three-fourths of the game. And I'm glad I'm not covering that team because that was a colossal um, breakup like they do every week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Scoring a touchdown accident and then laying up a late touchdown. You you love to see it. But from here on out, I hope the Falcons can get a few wins here and there. I don't mind them winning games now because they've already lost six. So, yeah, I just definitely don't want to see them with that second overall pick because they – I mean, they picked Vic when they did have a high pick. They picked Vic at one. He killed the Saints forever. So getting a guy like Fields or potentially Trevor Lawrence, you do not want to see that. 
uh, we want to see them continue to screw themselves. <clears throat> yeah, you would agree. I mean, at this point in the season, I definitely thought we were going to see a three-way race uh, for the number one spot. Who knew that it would be uh, not Atlanta in that third spot, but it would be Carolina, as weird as that sounds. But massive props to that team. They have really developed and came together, as we saw this weekend. I mean, that is no little brother team that the Saints went out there and beat. I mean, and we knew the NFC South was going to be really good, but dang, man, like these top three teams, I, I think Atlanta would be competing for a title in most other divisions, if not like on track to win a title with an easier schedule. You know, the NFC South had a hard rotation this year, of course, playing the NFC North teams and uh, stuff like that. But dang, man, I mean, <laughs> that was no joke this weekend. That was no joke. They opened my eyes a lot. They really impressed me. Yeah, Carolina, who uh, they were a team that drafted all defensive players in their draft for the first time, I think, in their franchise history, I, I probably could guarantee. Um, and I, I think I think they played well. They're defensively, they played well, but they still got lots of room to grow there. And they're young secondary. They were banged up a little bit. And I thought the Saints offense did a great job about that. But that offense of Teddy Bridgewater, I it, it, it sucks to see him tear up the defense like he did, but Got to love a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, him running to the bench. Drew talked about uh, when he got pushed out of bounds. It wasn't a short run over there. He was committed to go see his boys. And uh, he, Drew said he handed in the tablet. He's like, what do you, what'd you see on that play? Um, <laughs> couldn't get much information out of him. But um, before we get dive, dive too deep into the game, uh, pregame, the Saints, it's some random news, losing Michael Thomas with a grade one hamstring injury. At that moment, I think – no one really knows when exactly he got, he got hurt, but um, Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday maybe, and it's a one- to two-week in injury, so he may be back next, this week, uh, if not, hopefully in two weeks. But later that week, Emmanuel Sanders got uh, tested positive with COVID-19, and he missed this game. And early, early for me, I thought I, – I was like, this offense, is, it, might, it might skip a beat, and – I got to say, this this was the best offensive game I've seen from Drew this year and all around offensively with Callaway, with Trey, not even Trey Quan, with Kamara, just the offensive line, Andrews Pete. I thought the offense had one of its best days this year. Yeah, I agree. I thought we were going to be uh, pretty much SOL, to put it in more uh, kid-friendly terms. But, geez, you lose your top two receivers and you go out and have a performance like that. Uh, words can't describe that's a really impressive performance and you know I think the offensive line was a huge part of that as we expected them to be and of course Drew Brees uh, you know he's going down he's so bad he can't play anymore uh, but he just went out there with mostly undrafted free agent wide receivers or late round or you know just people who don't have their name out there and aren't catching passes on Sunday very often uh, and just tore that secondary apart, really. I mean, he had a heck of a game, his best game of the season, in my opinion. Um, you know, hit Jared Cook on two really nice deep balls pretty early on. And uh, that's what they've been setting up for, I feel like, is more of an active role for Jared Cook. It was just a matter of getting the right opposition. Uh, and they needed him. So, I mean, that's a good time for him to come into his own. But I know we'll talk about Marquez Callaway and everything. Uh, and what a game it was for him as well. You know, he got that first touchdown, that elusive first touchdown, the uh, ball mm -hmm. you give to your grandkids one day. Uh, I mean, that was a great look from the offense, I think, all around. Was, you know, ask your questions, but it, it was good. I thought that was a great play call, jumping to that. Uh, I took a video of that, and it was just, like, perfectly schemed up. 
and uh, the cornerback, Corn Edler, ran right into Traquan. If you wanted to call anything, you'd call defense pass interference because mm-hmm. Corn ran into Traquan. Uh, they throw the premature flag, and Callaway gets his first touchdown taken away. That sucks. But uh, the Tennessee Volunteers played really well for the New- uh, for the Saints this weekend, that being Callaway and Alvin Kamara. Um, it's just something I was looking at before the podcast. How much would you pay an offensive player that's has about 40% of your offense week in and week out? How much would you pay him annually? You have to pay him a lot. <laughs> He's accounting for that much of your offense. We're a high ball in that offer, no doubt. So, yeah, that's Alvin Kamara, as you may have guessed. He had 148 total yards, and this is his fifth consecutive game with over 100 scrimmage yards. And looking at this guy, I I believe we're paying him 12 and a half with incentives, probably a little bit more, but this guy's a bargain. And if you want to label him running back, go ahead. Um, I, he's really just an offensive athlete. I in, in college, they label people as just ATH, which is athlete. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what I label Alvin Kamara. Um, one of his better plays that I've seen from him this year was on third and 13. They threw it to him behind the line of scrimmage which most of the time doesn't work for 80%, 95% of the league. And he gets the first down with his feet, with his balance. And I, I, I just, Alvin Kamara carried the load in this game and got to hand it to Latavius Murray as well. We always kind of forget about, to talk about him, but he's he's back there making the, the bruising back runs. And he, he could have popped out a few runs. He had a good um, couple runs. And I mean, that backfield looked really good in this game as they should because the Carolina defense isn't really their strong point yeah no i i just man and you mentioned how you can label someone an athlete and i think that kind of plays into the situation you know you always hear don't pay your running back don't pay your running back it's a rental it's always a rental coming out of the draft and you know i I'm kind of in the middle of those two camps. You know, I think you don't pay a guy. I, I wouldn't have paid Todd Gurley earlier this season, probably wouldn't pay Le'Veon Bell. Um, but, you know, when you get guys that can do it all and have these abilities to be not just wide receiver or running backs, bleh, but running back or wide receivers, pass catchers, you know, returners, we've seen Kamara be lethal in that when he's allowed to do it. Uh, and when he wants to do it, of course, as well. But, you know, there's some guys you have to pay. And I think that 40% of that offense uh, illustrates exactly why you have to pay him in that situation. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of in between the camps on that, you know, don't pay running backs, but uh, pay the guys that are going to carry your team and do everything. I, I think athlete is the only way to describe it. Yeah. The Saints offense in this, in this game was totally impressive and may, it was concerning earlier on without your number two, and number one wide receivers, of course. Um, but this is probably one of their better games I've seen in a couple years. Their third down, they were 12 for 14. Really should have been 13 for 14 because uh, one of the play calls was the uh, – one of the third downs was the uh, Marcus Callaway PI. So it should have been 13 for 14. Mm-hmm. Zero punts, uh, 415 yards, and they had six penalties for 50 yards, which is still something they need to clean up a little bit. And time of possession was 34 minutes to 25 minutes. If you saw those numbers, you would think, wow, the Saints won by two touchdowns. And here's where I'm going to start getting triggered a little bit. The defense. The defense was terrible. Um, The Saints did not cause a turnover. And, of course, Brian Burns coming off the edge when Teron Armstead was out, got that strip sack on Drew Brees that adds a possession for Carolina. And I felt like every time Carolina was touching the football, they were going down the field and scoring. And that the offensively, that's not really Carolina's strong suit to go just air it out and kill people. But in times in that game with DJ Moore, 
Uh, we can look at Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins miscommunication there. Um, it just can't happen. And something I've always said throughout this podcast is the problem that the, the, the positive with this problem is that the personnel in the building has played very well and they can fix this. But even the New York Jets defensively aren't playing this bad. I mean, if you look across the board, look at the teams, the Washington football team isn't playing this bad of a defense. And some, um, I would say like 50% of the time, the Saints defenses bend, bend a lot and sometimes breaks, but there'll be that one drive where it's just flat out glass shatters. And I don't know what happens communication wise. Marcus Williams has had really good plays in this league. He's made some great, um, he's made some great plays. And just this year, he struggled so much on communication and tackling. And we, we, we love this guy because uh, of his ball, ball hawking abilities. And that's something we haven't seen at all this year. Um, I mean, what's got to change? I mean, it's just been, it's been ugly uh, to say the least. Uh, and truthfully, I have no idea, you know, it, and it's as easy as I just don't feel like he's playing and following his instincts. You know, um, I'm not going to claim to ever have been like a good football player, but you know, I know the one thing that I always felt made me okay when I did play, uh, especially in a secondary position, you know, cornerback safety is having those good instincts and knowing when to go find the ball and not missing tackles. That's been the biggest problem with Marcus Williams uh, ever since the mini Minnesota miracle and all that. But uh, you think that would be his number one priority to work on. It hasn't been, and he hasn't lived up to that contract that they offered him. He played better under a rookie contract. And, you know, sometimes you'll have that with draft picks and sometimes guys just, you know, go down a little bit after they have those mental, you know, errors or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, to say his downfall has been exaggerated would be a blatant lie. I mean, he just has been a shadow of himself. And I think a lot of it comes from instincts. I think a lot of it comes from um, his, you know, tackling being really bad. And I truthfully, you can blame scheme for a lot of things. And this defense has looked bad partly because of scheme, but Marcus Williams has just not been there and really hasn't hardly proven himself worthy of being on the field as a starter. And, and you know, if things were a little bit more optimal for the saints, I don't think he would be, I think he would be out off this lineup coming in for a limited play share until he figures things out inside of his head. Yeah, before I go off even more, here's what Sean Payton had to say about the Saints' secondary play. Well, it wasn't as much communication this time as technique and landmarks. It's obviously something that we've got to get cleaned up. I just finished, Dennis and I just finished talking about a handful of them, and um, this wasn't as much communication as it was just recognizing the formation, the alignments, and then you know how to play the coverage uh, on that specific play. So it's an area uh, of concern. It's, you know, an area that we, we've got to get better at. And, uh, and I think we will, but it's still something, it's one of those things you come off a win and you look, all right, the good news is we won. Here are some of the things now that they're going to cost us in another game down the road. If we, if we don't fix. We've got obviously some work to still do. I think we played the run extremely well. Uh, not so much in the passing game. Now, when he said $6 million question, um, it, it's, it's funny because when you're, when someone is asked that question, it's usually, yeah, that's the million dollar, that's the million dollar question. That's the, whatever you want to say, but $6 million is a very, very weird number. Um, 
our our uh, Canastra Chronicles group chat did some di- did some digging, and Marcus Williams' annual salary is six million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, or his full contract is six million dollars. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, they pushed his contract down the road, and the next two years he he will be making six million dollars. So a little bit of a weird connection there. I don't know if he actually meant that, meaning um, his safety play uh, that his safeties are six million dollar players who aren't producing. I don't really know what he meant by that. But before I dig on the secondary anymore, I want to mention two guys, and that's Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. These are guys who we've given a hard time these past few months, and I thought they played really well in this game. Mm-hmm. I thought Marshawn, um, he kept everything in front of him. He did have a few catches on him. That That's fine. Five to six-yard catches, that's fine. And the main thing I want to point out is that deep bomb. Marshawn was right there. He could have got the interception. He was in great positioning, hands off to Marshawn. And Janoris Jenkins, I saw him targeted once. So meaning he's he's locking his, his side of the field. So hats off to those guys. When we're saying secondary play is, is playing terrible, um, right now it's the safety play. And it's Malcolm Jenkins and um, uh, Marcus Williams. That, I mean, that's the flat, out, the flat out question right there. And I wouldn't be surprised if next week's game – DJ Swearinger is suited up mm-hmm. and he gets a shot because it's, it's been a name who's been tossed around a little bit. PG Williams has played that position. Um, wasn't particularly good. He had the same problems with communication and DJ Swearinger has been really successful in this league. Uh, he's picked off Drew Brees a few times. I remember the Washington game picked him off twice. And if Marcus Williams keeps having these same mental issues, um, he, he might, he might get the shaft. He might get the shorter end of the stick. He might, uh, get benched and I think for him to improve he needs someone to be pushing him he needs to know his job isn't locked in because he knows right now uh, the competition with him is on the bench and isn't even dressed and mm-hmm. I know he's not scared of PJ Williams or anyone else um, but give DJ Swearinger a shot and if DJ isn't the problem either you got to find someone else you got to find someone off the street at the trade deadline <laughs> uh, I know it's something we're going to talk about here in a second but you got to find someone that's going to be able to just mentally be there. Yeah, you really do, especially with a team that has Super Bowl aspirations and a team that has struggled to look like a team that has Super Bowl potential, uh, even with all the talent and the you know disability that they have. You just got to shake something up. You got to throw a wrench in it because when you do, we've seen big changes. You know, not that the coaching staff did this. But when Marcus Davenport re-entered the lineup on that defensive line, we saw by him closing out that game on Sunday, it changes things. It pushes guys. You know, now you have him, you have T-Rex, and you've got all these guys that are coming out uh, and playing well. And the reason they're playing well is because they are competing for those spots. You know, depth wins championships for me. Um, And especially in this kind of a thing uh, where, you know, Marcus – you're not playing up to your contract and we can't do anything about that, but you're not playing up to your spot and we can do something about that. And give me DJ Swearinger next week. Uh, for me personally, Nate Williams and at Nate JW sports uh, come at me. Uh, not you, Marcus. I, I really do like you. I just, and I don't want that beef. I think you could kill me, but I, I just, something's got to change, man. We got to get something going for him. And I hope it does, because when he's playing on an elite level, that makes these corners play with a lot more confidence. uh, And that one-two corner combination can be the best one in the division uh, if they can perform and have that um, 
that confidence uh, in who's playing behind them. So give me Swearinger on Sunday. That I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. You're not playing up to your spot. Uh, we signed him for a reason. Go do it. Yeah, and they, they had, um, with this unit, they've had great success. Um, I know Malcolm Jenkins hasn't been here for too long, but he uh, the first game against Tampa Bay, I thought they played decently well. I thought they did a great job shutting down Tom Brady in the offense. I know it was um, their first game and whatnot. Um, I thought I still thought they played well. Um, moving forward, that red zone defense needs to improve just immensely. It's it's been flat out the worst in the NFL. Teams are 19 for 22, scoring touchdowns, and they're 100% total in the red zone. So it's kind of it's kind of where like if they get to the red zone, they're guaranteed points. They're not holding them to field goals. They're not uh, finding ways to turn the ball over. And we look at, oh, and the Saints did win the Super Bowl, 2009. Mm-hmm. Their defense wasn't too good, but it turned the football over. It had turnovers. Mm-hmm. It was opportunistic. And this is something that Saints defense hasn't been able to do really this year. Um, besides the Tampa Bay game where they had, what, two, two, three interceptions? I don't I don't recall. Two, uh, maybe three turnovers. I think it was three turnovers, uh, two interceptions. Yeah. I'll double check that. They haven't had a game where they've had multiple inter- turnovers. They haven't um, did a very good job rushing the passer. I thought this was going to be a week where they could maybe get after Bridgewater. They didn't have any pressure until the last play of the game, which is hats off to them. That, that, that was a great stop. They needed a stop. They got a stop. Defense won that. Won that I'm not, I don't want to say won that game. They didn't win that game. But they they helped win that game, getting that last stop, getting Joey Sly to kick a 65-yarder. And Cam Jordan, after the game, saying, like, oh, we knew he wasn't going to make it. Blah, blah blah. He almost made it. I mean, you guys can't be that confident. Uh, they shouldn't even been that in that situation. The the Saints, honestly, looking at looking on paper, they should have won this game by fourteen points at least. Just looking at how dominant they were defensively, just needs to be cleaned up. And guys who are stars in this league, Demario Davis didn't have that good of a game. Didn't really see him much. Cam Jordan needs needs to get pressure. Uh, they were missing Russell Kuhn. He went down early with an injury, and he was matched up on Greg Little, second-round pick from a year ago, who hasn't played much at all. He has three starts in the NFL mm-hmm. and couldn't do much on him. And no, he actually looked pretty weird. good on Sunday against us, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you draft a guy in a second round, you kind of hoped for him to be good. Mm-hmm. But can't we, we've seen Cam Jordan eat on these younger guys, even these all-star guys. And I don't know what's going on. I know he's causing uh, – he's getting a lot of double teams and whatnot, but it's not something we're used to seeing. I don't know what his stats particularly are, but he, he's got to have at least one, one-and-a-half sacks, and that's just not enough almost halfway through the season. And next week they have the Bears who are playing right now who have scored three points in three quarters right now. So, I mean, they have a great opportunity. Again, a great opportunity to prove us wrong, and they really just got to do that. Yeah, I, I think this, and I said this last week, so broken record player here, but I, I think this needs to be a statement game uh, for New Orleans. I really do. There's a lot of people out there selling them at 12, 13 in the power rankings. Not that those matter, uh, but just that that is not where you want to be, and it's not where you aim to be at this time of the year uh, for a team that has so much talent, ability, and could be so successful. Uh, and, you know... Not that that matters, like I said, but uh, yeah, you're looking to move up that whether you're really on your way to a title, uh, you know, eh, 
I don't know. That momentum just means a lot. And it means a lot to Saints fans, no doubt. Here we are uh, in basic panic mode when we both know uh, that it wasn't too many years ago when the Saints would have loved to be at this record. Um, And we both know that. But, you know, uh, there's just so much hope and expectation for this team they it, they have a great opportunity especially that defense in a situation where the quarterback room is very very unsure uh, there's only a handful more teams that you could expect uh, to have better luck against if you're in the secondary so it's going to be a big game for them especially heading into the rest of the schedule which gets tough mm-hmm. very tough yeah it, if we were looked at the schedule before the year uh, we were we were saying four and two, five and one is kind of where they want to be. They're four and two, and we're all unpleased. It feels like we're two and four right now. That's just how it feels because we have these great aspira- aspirations to win the Super Bowl, and right now it just doesn't look. Just right now, we going into week eight, it doesn't look like they're a Super Bowl team. They look like a maybe a playoff team, but that at best. Yeah. Um, getting a team like the Chicago Bears, they're five and one right now. And um, they're kind of in the same scenario as the Saints, but the Bears weren't supposed to be in the situation. So Bears fans are super happy to be five and one. The Saints are four and two, but it's not a pretty four and two. Like you said, the schedule is going to get really tough. If the defense doesn't go and show up against the Bears, man, we got the Bucks next week and they're going to kill us. They're yeah. going to flat out destroy us if we play like we have. If we played the Bucks, if, if the game was the same, this week with the Panthers and Saints, if that defense played like that, the Bucks might score 50, 60 points. <laughs> yeah, I would not be surprised to see that. Tom Brady uh, is a lot of things, and one of those things is a destroyer of bad secondaries. And if we, we are looking bad going into that week, uh, we're going to see our odds in our favor um, go away from us, that's for sure, in Tampa, uh, taking with them with a win against the Saints, you know, pretty much all hopes of a division title because you know like you said um i don't remember if we were recording when we talked about this but we're going to be chasing them if not you know mm-hmm. uh, their bye week is really really late uh, and you'd rather be ahead of or tied with them going into it um just in order to you know keep the pace and keep that optimistic outlook uh and we know wild card teams don't tend to do super well heading into the playoffs but uh you're going to hope to avoid that and hope to keep going and wrap up this division, you know, as early as possible. We've seen Tampa Bay can get beat. We've seen the Saints can obviously get beat as well. Uh, it's really going to come down to who picks up that momentum and who becomes the most competitive team coming down the stretch here. Yeah, these past three years, I, the Saints really haven't been in this scenario. They haven't been, uh, there hasn't been really a team at their neck chasing for the division. And yet we're here, second in the division. And if we don't start playing better, we'll stay second in the division. We'll be in wild card spot, like you said. And the past three years, no team has won more games than New Orleans Saints. That being because they've played good football. And the defense has played good enough. And I'm almost wondering, are they not as um, – I'm trying to look for the right words here, but not having fans. I know they are so hype-based. They are so, like, uh, dancey. They dance. They like to win. If they're doing well, they've got their handshakes going. Without fans, after they make a good play, it's kind of just like, meh, nothing really happened. So I don't know if fans have to do a part in it, uh, but they just got to start playing better. And looking at that defense with the trade deadline coming up, do you see them making a deal for someone or a certain position moving forward? 
I wouldn't be super surprised to see some moves made here at the deadline. I think the obvious place is, you know, you have a lot of questions. You know, what are injuries going to look like before then? When are we going to get Mike Thomas back is another big question because it's looking like we might not see him this week. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back fairly soon after that. And if anybody listened to that last podcast that we did before this one, uh, I said, I am sure he'll be playing <laughs> nope. Uh, just ignore that and move along, but it's worth pointing out. But, you know, and a lot of questions come with that. I don't think wide receiver is probably the most obvious one, but it could be a sneaky one to look to add some depth. I know they like Traquan Smith a lot for what he does in all aspects. And of course, Marquez Callaway um, having a nice game uh, on Sunday as well. But, you know, truthfully to me, and I know this sounds like we're, you know, beating a dead cat or whatever, beating around the bush, but it looks like safety. It looks like safety is the position that they're going to upgrade. And, you know, they have some guys coming back. Kiko Alonso coming back in the linebacker position makes that a lot tougher. You know, Demario Davis, obviously a staple there. There's not a whole lot of visible weaknesses on this team. You know, if they should mm-hmm. lose an offensive lineman, God forbid, that could be an option. But um, for me, it's either no movement or, you know, they might bring in somebody that they think can challenge um Marcus Williams or Marcus Williams back there at the safety position. I wouldn't be super surprised to see that. Yeah, me either. I was kind of thinking about what positions uh, we need, and it the one of the struggles has been pass rush. Um, it, it, it secondaries always benefit from a good pass rush, and Teddy Bridgewater wasn't pressured at all in that game. And you kind of look at okay, is there a D end or a DT we can bring in? I was like, and then you think about that room's really full. We have the players there who have done it before. They just got to do it. And I don't know why they're not doing it. Guys like David Onyemata hasn't had a huge impact um, since week one or two. Sean Rankins has been pretty good, but no no interior pass rush really. We haven't seen any Malcolm Brown the past few games. So is it is there room in that, in that defensive line room to bring in a guy like uh, Ian Rapport tweeted out today, Everson Griffin's on the trade block. If they brought him in, would he find a good amount of snaps at that position? Maybe, who knows, playing D end as well. We love Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Davenport. They're playing well. They just need to, they got to show it. Um, going to the secondary, I think they're, they're, they'll be fine at corner safety. If there's a guy that becomes available, why not take a shot? Mm-hmm. And before the season, when Earl Thomas got released, everyone was hitting me up. Um, everyone was saying like, oh, the Saints need to bring in this guy. It's like, no, they got Marcus Williams. They got Malcolm Jenkins. There's no room for him here. I mean, if they keep playing bad, why not? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, may, it may sound dumb, but why not bring him in? Such a talented guy. He's had question marks. He's had uh, punched one of his teammates. But clearly in this locker room, we can uh, take care of punching teammates. Mm-hmm. We just sit them for a few games and then uh, play it from there. And we deal with the fake trade rumors on Twitter for a couple of weeks uh, and then we'll move forward. But bringing a guy like that wouldn't cost you a draft pick or anything. If you wanted to trade for him, if there's a guy, uh, Minnesota's doing a fire sale right now. If there's a guy like Anthony Harris or if for some reason, they want to move on from Harrison Smith, just guys like that who can uh, be talent who are talented players in this league. It just sucks talking about this because we thought this was the strength of the team. And if you go back and listen to the past three podcasts, you'd get the same information as this week, it's the same things. Uh, secondary isn't playing well. I gotta stop saying secondary. The safeties aren't playing well. The linebackers are meh. The defense line it has talent, but they're just not playing well. The defense needs to be better. And uh, if you go listen to our old podcast, we'll be saying the same exact stuff. 
sucks. Yeah, it does. It's really frustrating, uh, truthfully, to see how it's kind of come into light. Um, and it's been a continual problem. And, you know, I like what you said about, you know, if a team decides to go on a fire sale, you know, we've seen some teams this year that are very, very surprising in how they're doing. Uh, none the least being the Falcons. Of course, we won't likely be picking anyone up out of there. If we did, that would be quite the miracle and would come at quite the price. Um, but, you know, outside of the division, of course, there's always options and always, um, you know, you got to trust Mickey magic is out there looking for the best option, whether it be a rental option, you know, towards the end of the season, I wouldn't be super surprised to see them go uh, in that and maybe sacrifice a little bit uh, of future potential. Maybe some of these younger guys getting shipped off uh, picks getting shipped off in exchange to really try and get that last Super Bowl push um, in the Drew Brees era. We assume, we assume he'll be gone uh, next yep. season since he's going to be an analyst already. So <laughs> he's, already, he's already got that deal signed. Yeah. It's already we, on the dotted line. I think he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. NBC with Notre Dame. Such a good job there. Teddy Bridgewater the time. Teddy's coming back. <laughs> it sucked. He was such a perfect quarterback. I'm not going to get into that because that was bring Teddy back. <laughs> <laughs> At what cost? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos has um, entered the chat. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to talk about Thanos. I have to talk about the last <laughs> infinity, infinity Stone adding Antonio Brown go to the gone. Tampa Bay Buccaneers locker room. <laughs> that could either go really well or really bad. And I mean, with the Bucks locker room, I think it'll end up being really good. Mm-hmm. And if the Saints want to compete with that, I mean, it's got to be night and day from what we've seen so far defensively with adding Antonio Brown to an already very dominant Bucks team. It's just frustrating to think about Tom Brady. Just look at all the guys they've added this offseason, thinking it it's not supposed to work. It's not going to work. And it's working. They're killing yeah. And I was a huge culprit of the it's not going to work out for them uh, comment group. And, you know, now I'm going to that same group as a support group because it, it sure worked. They're doing quite fine, I would say, on the offensive side of the ball. Tom Brady trying to catch Drew and all these records. It's a shame that he needs like 400 former first round picks to do it. But you know, that's neither here nor there. No slander uh, necessary, but yeah. And it is working out. And if our defense is going to keep up with them, uh, then some work needs to be done to say the least. Yeah. Well, we got the bears next week. We'll have a podcast all about the bears who are playing right now. They're playing the Rams. They're not looking very good at the moment, but we can never take a team lightly of course with our defense but hopefully um i don't know the stats about Manuel sanders the er, the early indication was he was going to miss 10 days so if he plays in this game he's not going to practice if or at all this week uh michael thomas we will see let's see today is monday tuesday who knows when the Saints practice actually but i think there's will be an injury report tomorrow about the uh his injury status so hopefully he can be at least limited uh, with that hamstring, but we really need that kid back. It's just weird thinking we're going into our eighth game and we haven't seen Michael Thomas at all, really, since week one, and he didn't really have that big of an impact. It's just weird having your franchise guy not being there all season after having 149 catches, but that just that much to the offense. They've played really well. Andrew Speed has stepped up. I thought he played well last week. They need to get Tron Armstead's hand better. Drew Brees is playing really well. All those short pass comments, throw them out the window. Those are gone. Alvin Kamara should not be in the running for offensive player of the year. Put him in 
the MVP conversation with Russell Wilson, who threw three picks last night, put him in that conversation, give him the respect he deserves. That's all I got to say. Yep. Put him up there. Put him, put him in that conversation. That's for sure. I have a really bad feeling MVP is not going to be somebody who deserves it this year. I really just do. No. I don't have any faith in the NFL whatsoever. I know it's not exclusively the NFL that picks that, but just just when, when we're all wrapped up here with this season, just come on back and you'll find me uh, as pessimistic as ever about our chances of getting a rightful MVP. Yeah, I was talking about that earlier, and I was just looking at the top three. It's Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. It's like, what boring candidates. Russell Wilson's having a great year. Um, not a very good game last game with three interceptions. But Alan Kamara, it's just so disrespectful. He's not in, the, not in that conversation. But mm-hmm. not going to get there. The Saints never get there. Reckon never get that kind of uh, acknowledgement for that award. Like we've seen Drew Brees be robbed for years, for 16-plus years of that of great play. We haven't seen uh, him get any kind of consideration for that. But we won't even get into that. We will see you guys later in this week talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, pretty good timing for Halloween. The Monsters of the Midway. A little spooky season. Uh, good little segment in the Halloween. But we will get them after Halloween. As usual, you know, I'm Brendan. He's Nate. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we appreciate all you guys' support. Hit us up on Twitter. As always, peace. Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Let's go. We on the road, the next stop, the Super Bowl, hell yeah, you know we on, we built to do this all night long, who that, who that say they gon' beat them Saints, they a lie, they can try but in the don't we know they